0: Welcome to True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. If you're trying to heal from disconnection, if you want to learn to love yourself better, and if you're looking for a deeper sense of purpose and meaning in life, you're in the right place. Hi, I'm your host, Laura Sweat. I'm an astrologer and overall spiritual nerd living in buffalo new york i started studying astrology when i didn't believe in it it was a kind of exercise in making my own meaning out of life seven years and a major career shift later i've become an impassioned advocate for the beauty of the language astrology gives us to understand ourselves and our journey in life and i'm an impassioned advocate for using that understanding to move toward building ever more rich and meaningful lives. Thanks for listening to my first episode ever. In the midst of our COVID isolation, would you like to connect to the pure joy of simply being alive? That's the spirit that the sign of Aries owns, unmitigated, energetic joy at the simple fact of our existence. In this episode, we're going to talk about what the sign of Aries means, we're going to talk about how it finds its perfect complement and opposite in the sign of Libra, and I'll help you understand what part of your own life the traits of Aries characterize. We'll end with a little meditation on the joy of existence. If you'd like some help with understanding the signs in your own chart, there's a link to a worksheet in the show notes that will help you follow along with the first 12 episodes of this series as we work through the signs. The show notes are on my website, which is 8th.house. That's the numeral dot H O U S E. Okay, here we go. My partner and I like to watch nature documentaries as we nap in front of the television on the weekends. And when I'm awake, I'm usually cheering for the prey as opposed to the predators. I want to see them get out of sticky situations. I want to see them out with their opponents. But most of all, I don't want to see them gruesomely murdered. I like lions a lot, in theory. But in a lion versus zebra situation, I am usually cheering for the zebra. Last weekend, though, we were watching an episode that followed a lion family for quite a while, and there was a matriarch who was an experienced hunter, but all the rest of the lions, and there were like eight of them, all the rest were juveniles, they were experienced, and they were really—they were inexperienced, and they were really, really bad at hunting. And so we were following this lion family through failed hunt, after failed hunt, after failed hunt... Um, Watching the zebras and the wildebeest escape a grisly fate over and over and over again. And meanwhile, beginning to think that this lion family might actually be headed toward starving to death. They just could not catch a break. And I realized that I would definitely hate watching animals starve to death just as much as I hate watching animals be eaten alive. And finally, finally, after many, many, many attempts, that experienced huntress lioness finally caught a wildebeest, and all of the lions were eating it together, and I was so very happy that they ate that wildebeest. Um, I felt the joy that was just the beauty of life continuing. There's not really a moral to that story. There's not really a moral to most of what happens in nature, but there is a feeling and there is meaning. When the wildebeest escapes and the lion starves, life continues and there's immense joy in that. And when the lion can eat and the wildebeest dies, life continues and there's immense joy in that. The sign of Aries. Which is all about the breath of life, is characterized by the joy the wildebeest feels when it escapes and by the joy the lion feels when it catches the wildebeest. Aries is known as being feisty and heroic and exuberant and a bit self absorbed. And all of these traits serve the fact that Aries protects life. My friend has a brother who lives in Barcelona, and he told me that his brother sent him a video of wild boar running through the streets of the city now that everybody's locked down inside. It's the same concept. I thought about the dolphins returning to the canals in Venice, too. It's this idea that life continues, and it made me feel hopeful, even though I'm on the other side of the species equation from the boar and the dolphins. And I told my friend that, but I also said, if it comes down to me or the board, thou, I'm choosing me and that's Aries too. I'm recording this the day after the Aries new moon, March 25th, and I'm feeling like Aries season is going to be bringing some things that we don't equate with joy the picture of our immediate future that was painted on yesterday's episode of the Daily Podcast really took my breath away, and I'm not going to get into it here. Um, you can go listen to it if you if you'd like to hear it, but it was something that brought me in touch with the seriousness of what we're facing and the reality of what we could lose. We associate Aries with all kinds of things that are not joyful. Um, we associate it with war and bloodshed and rage, anger generally. And it does feel like wartime right now. My state's governor, Andrew Cuomo, has been using lots of military metaphors, referring to COVID as the enemy approaching, and it feels appropriate. Battle, as a metaphor, is often about the will to survive, The foremost Aries archetype is the warrior, and that's about the will to survive too. But Aries is also the emergence of life in spring, the new year, life returning, the simple joy of life existing at all, and the will to protect the life that exists. It's too simple to think about life just as the lion and the wildebeest It's not a zero-sum game where um, the whole of it is about either the lion lives or the wildebeest lives because, in fact, both of those animals are part of the same ecosystem. And if that gets damaged, they both die. They rely on each other for the larger picture of life to play out, even though there's this micro-picture of one or the other happening between them. Because if their ecosystem gets damaged both the lion and the wildebeest die, that is how we understand the way things exist in a whole or exist as part of a system. And that's where the sign of Libra comes in. Libra is the perfect complement and opposite of the sign of Aries. Let me back up and say this. Each sign in the zodiac has an opposite. So there's 12 signs in the zodiac and there's six axes of meaning, which represent the pairs of opposites. If you create a wheel to represent the seasons of the year, the signs that complement one another, that are opposite one another, are opposite one another on the wheel. They're about six months apart. So Aries season, which we're in right now, begins at the spring equinox, and Libra season begins at the autumn equinox. That's in Western astrology. The Aries-Libra axis is about being, or life existing. Aries is the me part, of the polarity where I'm focused on my own life and Libra is the us part of the polarity where I recognize I'm part of a system or a community and that I need to work within that system or community to survive (laughs) so in Aries we say if I have to choose between you or me buddy I'm choosing me and in Libra we say wait a minute do I even exist without you And the answer, of course, is no. But that doesn't mean that the Aries energy of me is somehow less than or not as elevated as Libra. The will to celebrate and protect one's own individual life is sacred. The ability to recognize oneself as part of a whole is also sacred. These are polarities of a single concept. They go together like front goes with back. You might say... You have to be able to hold paradox when you consider them together. It's true that to survive, you must protect and value your own life. And it's also true that you must understand that life is larger than you and that you exist within a group that survives together, not individually. We'll talk more about Libra in our next episode. For now, let's go ahead and get into how the energy of Aries characterizes your own life. Okay, so there are three building blocks of your birth chart. The signs of the zodiac, Aries, Libra, etc. Those are character traits, descriptions, characterizations of things. The houses, which are areas of life. So there are 12 signs, 12 houses. And then the planets, which describe parts of the self. And... When you put them all together, you end up with planets in different houses characterized by different signs, having conversations with each other, and that creates this very complex and beautiful picture of who you are. What we're talking about today is the house of your birth chart, the area of life that is affected by the sign of Aries or that Aries describes, and that'll make more sense as you listen to this. The best way to listen to this part of the podcast is if you know your rising sign to listen for your rising sign. That's going to be the description that is most specific to you because your rising sign, um, you need to know your birth time to know your rising sign. The rising sign was changing every approximately two hours, two and a half ish hours uh, the day you were born. So that's the most specific to you. But if you don't know your rising sign and you don't care to figure it out right now, you can listen for your sun sign, which is the one you probably know, the one that is described by your birthday, what time of the year your birthday falls into. Um, That is not officially astrology, and yet people tend to get a fair amount of meaning out of it. And so... Uh, you can just go with it if that's what's going to work for you right now. So I'm going to start with Aries and Aries rising. We're going to go backwards through the signs. So we're going to go Aries to Pisces, then to Aquarius. I don't know if that means anything to you, but it means something to me. Um, And again, the most accurate reading for you should be your rising sign. But You can listen for your sun sign. People tend to get interesting, sort of, background information about themselves from doing that. So, without further ado, let's start with Aries and Aries Rising. So, if you're an Aries or an Aries Rising, Aries characterizes the part of your life that is about your identity and your initial approach to situations. It also characterizes, if you're an Aries Rising, the Your body, like your physical presentation. Um, When we're talking about the birth chart, we're talking about the whole self. And when we're talking about identity, we're talking about the parts of self that are able to be projected out into the world or communicated, kind of the way the whole self comes to a point and people are able to interact with it, basically. And so if Aries characterizes that for you, You are probably perceived as direct, um, as protective of yourself and the people close to you, as maybe a little bit feisty, right? And that doesn't mean that those are the only traits that people see in you, but they should be the traits that are most visible when you're coming into a situation or initially approaching a problem. If this is your first house, it's your orientation toward things. Also, the first house is going to represent kind of the theme of your life. And if you're an Aries or an Aries rising, that theme has to do with getting things done, doing exactly what you need to do for yourself. So those themes come in in the first house of our lives. If you're a Pisces or a Pisces rising, Aries characterizes the part of your life that is about self-worth and value in the world. This is what we call the second house. Um, to have self-worth and value characterized by the feisty, individual life-protecting energy of Aries, for a Pisces rising means that although you come into situations with a sensitivity and an openness, your self-worth really gathers around your ability to protect yourself and take care of yourself. Depending on what you have going on in your chart, you might um, really resonate with that and that might be easy for you to protect yourself. That's a beautiful combination to be a sensitive Pisces rising who also. Gets tremendous value and worth out of protecting your individual life. A lot of Pisces risings might experience this as a little more difficult and find that they get down on themselves for not feeling like they can protect themselves. And so, you know, the second house is where we find it, a, a lot of astrologers will talk about money in this house, and that's because it represents our sense of our own value. So a lot of the time, when you get clear on that, being able to value yourself, you're also valued by other people, which often comes in the form of money. Um, but that being said, I tend to find that the most resonant experience of this second house is really in understanding that this is about how you understand your own value. And so, if you're a Pisces rising or Pisces, and this is your second house. I'd really encourage you to see the ways that you experience value from protecting yourself and to shore that up as much as possible. If you're an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising, Aries, the energy of Aries, characterizes your third house, which is a part of life that is about our day-to-day travel and communication. Each of the houses also has an opposite in the same way that the signs have an opposite. Um, And I find that it's hard for me to describe the third house without describing the ninth house, which is its opposite. So the third house is our day-to-day travel, the places we go that we're used to going. And the ninth house is our extended travel, our adventurous travel, places we go that we've never been before. So third house, if you're an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising, your third house is the places that you go every day, the people that you talk to every day. I like to think of the metaphor here as um, you're walking around your village and you're talking to people and it's the baker and the grocer and all that kind of stuff. You don't necessarily always have really intimate relationships with the people who show up in your third house, but you talk to them regularly. Um, You also can find siblings in your third house and aunts and uncles and family members that aren't necessarily your parents or your partner or your children. So what does it mean to have Aries characterizing your third house as an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising? It means that your style of communication in your day-to-day affairs is fairly direct and self-protective and maybe even... um, I'm thinking of the Aquarius risings, I know. For some people, this is like a little bit of a no bullshit attitude. And for other people, it's more like they are incredibly energetic in their day-to-day communications. They're like getting out there and talking to people. Um, I've, I've seen it both ways. If you are a Capricorn or a Capricorn rising. Aries characterizes your fourth house. That means that this is at one of the major angles for you. The fourth house is one of the most important houses. Uh, The first house is two, incidentally, Aries and Aries risings. First, fourth, seventh, tenth, those are the, the most important. So, getting back to it, Capricorn and Capricorn risings, fourth house is about your family, your home, and your origins, your roots. And so if you have an Aries 4th house, um, something about the family environment, the environment that formed you, is characterized by this will to survive and this intense energy of survival. Um, A lot of people I know who are Capricorn Risings um, come from home environments where there was a lot of anger or physical abuse. That's not necessarily how every Capricorn or Capricorn Rising uh, is, but usually there's something about the family environment where survival and the energy of maintaining survival and even anger were some kind of um, formative influence, and that affects kind of the way that Capricorn plays out in general. If you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Aries represents your 5th house. It characterizes your 5th house. The 5th house is the house of creativity. It's also the house of children. Those things kind of go together when you think about it. It's the house of sex, the fun part of sex, not the weird part of sex which shows which shows up in the 8th house. Um but in general, the 5th house is where we have fun. So Sagittarius and Sagittarius Rising have fun in this way that is highly energetic. Um, They create in a a really high-powered, energetic way. There can be just this tremendous um, force behind Sagittarius creativity because it's characterized by Aries. Um, And also, Sagittarius and Sagittarius Rising tend to really need creativity uh, to experience their life force, right? That's that's an important uh, part of Aries characterizing your fifth house. If you're a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, Aries characterizes your sixth house, which means it's going to characterize your daily habits, the way that you... Experience your health as a result of your daily habits, right? The way habits add up to health overall. And also uh, your sense of service to others. Those are all found in the sixth house. So, mm, okay. My experience with Scorpio Risings is that they tend to have a fair amount of energy for maintaining their daily habits. So, even though Scorpios and Scorpio risings can be very um, I don't know, you don't necessarily think of energetic as the first thing to describe them, they often can keep up with habits really well. So like they go for runs regularly or they uh they're just like at the gym. They're they're doing the stuff they need to do every day. Sometimes uh, a lot easier than some of the rest of us uh, because all of that Aries energy is in this habit forming uh, part of their life and so you can kind of bring a lot of energy to that and that can be very beneficial not every Scorpio or Scorpio rising is going to experience um themselves in this way uh, it can also lead having an Aries sixth house can also lead to some like anger, ragey stuff in your work environment, your day-to-day work environment. Um, Because service, really, it's like the ways we are in service. For a lot of us, employment represents the way we are in service. And what else about having an Aries 6th house? Um, You know, there's a lot of, there's a really big range for how you might experience this. I feel like the nicest way to experience an Aries 6th house is you have a lot of energy for taking care of yourself and you protect yourself in your work environment. If that's a little out of balance, like if you're not protecting yourself or taking care of your own needs in your work environment, you might find that you experience some rage in your work environment. Um, and same thing, if you're not kind of using your energy to, to build your habits, you might find that uh it gets squeezed into different directions. I would say an out of balance Aries 6th house really is just going to show up as rage kind of flying in different directions for a Scorpio rising and an imbalanced one shows up as a lot of energy. So, there you go. If you are a Libra rising, then Aries characterizes your 7th house. This is one of the major angles and in fact, If you'll remember, Aries represents the perfect complement or opposite of your own sign. So, when we think about the first and seventh house, what we're really thinking about is what we identify with and what we experience as our shadow because we don't identify with it. So, if you're Libra or Libra rising, you identify with the part of you that is peacemaking, focused on the whole loves to create harmony and beauty. And you might have disidentified with the part of you that wants to protect yourself in a feisty way. And then you might find those qualities in your partners, your closest friends and partners. And that's what Aries 7th house means. It means those qualities you find in your close friends or partners um, are Aries qualities. And For an Aries rising, it's the opposite of that. An Aries rising is going to experience themselves as identifying with the feisty and protective part of themselves, and maybe not having as much identification with the part of them that wants to create peace and create beauty. So they look for that in partners. But what we know about the polarity, right, is that it's like front to back, they exist at the same time. So what you see in your partners, really um, really exists within you fundamentally and that's a very important thing to understand about our seventh house. If you're a Virgo or a Virgo rising, Aries characterizes your eighth house. The eighth house is what uh, my own astrology business is named after because I have quite a few placements there and it's sort of my specialty. And it's a really weird one. It's the house of birth, death, and transformation. So in the eighth house, we experience ourselves dying to what we used to be and being reborn as a new version of ourselves. This happens constantly throughout our lives. It's usually both uncomfortable and joyful, first uncomfortable and then joyful, So I think discomfort and joy both exist in the 8th house. Um, But that being said, uh, a lot of the time, most of the experiences we have in the 8th house, we're going to associate with the discomfort because it is a house of transitioning from one thing to the other, and that is uncomfortable. So I... Happen to be close with quite a number of Virgo risings, a truly astounding number of Virgo risings, actually. And the way that I watch people go through these deep transformations in their life as a Virgo rising with an Aries eighth house is it takes a tremendous amount of energy. It's really where the most life energy is wherever Aries is characterizing your chart and so when it's characterizing your 8th house there's this tremendous energy in the process of death and rebirth and for some people that means for some Virgo risings that means they're going to have a ton of energy for change that they'll apply a lot of energy energy to change they'll go into it like they're starting a new class or something they're just like learning about themselves and and growing and taking care of themselves while they change. Um I know one Virgo rising who's very much like that. She also has uh Mars in Aries, which means that her whole life drive kind of concentrates in that that area of birth, death, and transformation. So I think she's a little unusual for a Virgo rising. Most of the Virgo risings I know who have an Aries eighth house experience change in their lives as They put it off for as long as they possibly can because they know it's going to hurt like hell. The Aries energy creates so much, just so much energy that it's kind of like just being ripped apart a little bit. I'm sorry to overstate it. I hope I'm not overstating it. I feel like that really is how a lot of Virgo risings experience their changes in life. And, um, And yeah, so they put it off for a really long time. And then when it finally comes, it is, ever more painful because they have been kind of avoiding it. Um, So my advice to all Virgo Risings is to use that tremendous energy that you have to apply to the death of an old self and the rebirth of a new self consciously and not to put it out of mind. But when you feel yourself approaching a big change, a big loss of something in your life that it will inevitably lead to something new coming into it, to approach that with intention and consciousness because having an Aries eighth house is a little rough, and um avoiding the change is going to make it rougher. If you are a Leo or a Leo rising, then Aries characterizes your ninth house. I referred to the ninth house earlier when I was describing the third house. It's the opposite of the third house. And it represents our long range travel, going to places we've never been. But it also represents just growth in general. Our ability to expand into new parts of the world and incorporate that into who we are. Um, It also represents publishing, incidentally. So if you... Uh, produce anything in the world. If you write, if you create, uh, the ninth house is where the the publishing of that thing shows up, the way you share what you know with the world. So, to have an Aries ninth house as a Leo rising or Leo is to have your will to share what you've created filled with an enormous amount of energy. And it's also to have your will to explore and understand the world also filled with that enormous life energy. So this is part of the exuberance of Leo is having this house of growth characterized by Aries. Um, It also may mean you find a little bit of uh, aggression, like feistiness in this desire to grow um, and to expand. If you're a Cancer or a Cancer rising, then Aries represents your 10th house. This is a major one, going back to the four major houses. The 10th house represents, oftentimes we'll say your career, but it's not necessarily how you make money. It's what you're known for. And kind of how your life fruits into the public sphere, basically. So if... The fourth house is your roots, like the way you draw up from the earth. Then the 10th house is your limbs and your leaves. That's what you produce from the way you were rooted in the fourth house. It's your career, basically. But you don't have to make money in what you're known for. You just have to be known for it. That's something that I think is a really important piece of understanding the 10th house. So if your 10th house is characterized, Aries what you are known for and the way that your career manifests has to do with this enormous energy to protect and that can show up in a lot of different ways I know cancer risings who are um, therapists (laughs) I know cancer risings who are like entrepreneurs they have their own businesses I know cancer risings, well, no, that is another cancer rising who's a therapist. Um, You know, if you're a cancer rising, then you come into situations with a view toward nurturing and caring for people. And so this way that you manifest in the world, um, your career as protecting really makes a lot of sense with that energy. And, um, you know, it can have... I would say like some of the more difficult ways that this can show up might involve um, if you have difficulty with protecting yourself or taking care of yourself or protecting others or taking care of others, uh, you might end up seeing some difficulty in the way this plays out. But for most people, their 10th house is just naturally the way that they're understood in the world. All right. If you are a Gemini or a Gemini rising, then Aries characterizes your 11th house. The 11th house is the house of how we fit into a community or a social circle. And if Aries characterizes that, uh, you might find that your group of friends has a lot of Aries energy. That's something that people often find with their 11th house. You also might find that there's a little more uh, fighting or like uh, protecting self-interest in your social circles than maybe you see in other social circles. Uh, You might find that you feel particularly protective of your group and you are very motivated to kind of keep your group safe. All of those things happen when Aries characterizes your 11th house. Finally, if you are a Taurus or a Taurus rising, then Aries characterizes your 12th house. This is what Aries is for me. And it is a particularly strange way to experience any sign, to have it in your 12th house. Because the 12th house is the house of the unseen, the karmic past, and the connection to the collective unconscious. So, any sign that characterizes your 12th house, you're going to experience as something you don't have your arms around, something you can't really articulate. And As I've been saying in the previous descriptions, wherever Aries shows up in your chart, that's where you're going to have the greatest life energy. So it's very interesting to be a Taurus rising and have the greatest life energy in this unconscious part of yourself, this part of yourself that you can't really touch or articulate. I have seen a lot of Taurus risings who do what I do, who are um, in some kind of magical uh, astrological space. And I interpret that as uh, we have this massive amount of energy that is allocated to our unconscious and that ends up sort of manifesting in these kind of weird ways in our lives. Taurus rising is a very like down to earth, low key uh, identity Right. But then having an Aries 12th house means that a lot of the really energetic stuff is just happening behind the scenes. I I like to think of the 12th house sometimes as the code that like if we are computer programs, it's it's where the code gets written for what we do. And so you don't see it, but it has a profound impact on you and the way that you're experiencing life. That being said, twelfth um, house transits are usually fairly uncomfortable. In traditional astrology, this house is associated with um, imprisonment, for example, and so uh, Aries season has always been a time of year when I feel like a little unsettled, and I think that's typical for Taurus risings to experience um, these this twelfth house. Aries transit as a little bit unnerving. There's a lot of energy applied to something you can't see if you're a Taurus rising. So that's how you experience an Aries 12th house. And that's it. That's how all 12 signs experience the energy of Aries in their charts. So I'm going to leave you with just a few questions to get you thinking about how to harness the joy for life, and the will to protect your own life that Aries represents. How do you protect yourself? What makes you want to protect yourself? Do you feel like you're doing a good job of protecting yourself? Or do you tend to punch that drive down or ignore it? What happens when you refuse to protect yourself? and ignore your own needs. There are all kinds of reasons we might ignore our own needs or fail to protect ourselves. Some of them have to do with over-identifying with our desire to protect the group, which we will get to talk about in more detail in the next episode, which is about Libra. If you're interested in digging deeper into this sort of joy of existence, uh, the joy of existence that leads to the will to protect yourself that is owned by Aries, I'm going to post a bonus episode that is a meditation to go along as a compliment with this episode. I hope you enjoyed the very first episode of the True Self podcast. You can find show notes on my website at 8th house, that's numeral 8, T H h-o-u-s-e please leave an iTunes review if you enjoyed the podcast that will help so much as I'm getting this started and email me at laura at 8th.house if you have show ideas comments or just want to say hi I would really love that and please know that I'm sending lots and lots of love to you and yours in this stressful time thanks